you've got mail. Hey everyone, and welcome to the third mailbag episode for Superman and Batman, a podcast where normally, each episode, we look at stories featuring the two greatest heroes in comics, the Man of Steel and the Dark Knight. This time, though, we're shining the spotlight on you, the listener, or more to the point, your feedback. There are a lot of people who have been great about sending feedback for episodes of the show, and there is no better way to thank you for that than by reading and responding to it. Now, some of this feedback goes back about a year. As regular listeners of the show are probably aware, episodes have been a bit more sporadic of late. And what that comes down to is mostly a time issue. I'm not going to apologize in as much as, you know, there are many things in life that should be priority over talking about comics. But I will, to those who have missed the show, say that I am sorry for any disappointment it's caused, regardless of why it's happened. Uh, I know I feel a little let down when a show I really like stops producing episodes for for whatever reason, and uh, I'm just sorry that I had to uh, leave that feeling in other people's too. Even though it was a, you know, I I was justified in my reasons. But I'm not going to dwell on the whys and wherefores, because what's important is that I'm back, the show's back, and most importantly, you're back. Because as I've said before, without listeners, this is just a guy talking into a microphone. And I haven't been completely out of the podcasting game. As Sean Engel and I have been putting out episodes of Parallel Lines every two weeks, and within the past six months or so, I have made guest appearances on Make Dad Read Comics where we talked about the evolution of Superman's origin, as well as the short box showcase over at the Relatively Geeky Network, where we talked about Superman and Batman and just kind of their uh, relationship and partnership and friendship throughout the years. But as for this show, while I'm going to stop short of promising this is what's going to happen, I do want to give you folks a little bit of a picture of where the show is going to be moving forward. From now until the end of the year... The show officially will be on a monthly schedule. I might drop a non-regular episode here and there, like this one, or I've got some ideas for blog posts related to Superman and Batman that I can't or, or would just be more difficult to tackle in an episode. But on the first Tuesday of every month, there will be a brand spanking new episode of the show for your listening pleasure. And after the first of the year, my goal is to hopefully bring this show to a bi-weekly schedule. But like I said, no promises just yet. That's just kind of what I've got penciled in uh, in the planning stages. I feel like making too much of a commitment on the show right now is the the surest way to make it blow up in my face. So I'm just going to say that I will try, and hopefully you're all okay with that. Uh, I know when I listen to shows, I feel like one or two episodes of the show is better than nothing and hopefully you feel the same way I have missed doing the show and I really do appreciate all the people that have written in and said that they missed it as well and it really does mean a lot and has helped drive me to hopefully get the show going on a regular basis again but enough about that because we have got a lot of feedback to get through this episode 
when I've done feedback shows in the past, I compile all the feedback into a Word document. For the first two, the document ended up being 15 or 16 pages. But this time, it's twice that. So, needless to say, we really need to get into things. As always, I've tried to reply to most feedback I get, but if I didn't reply to your specific email or your comment on the website, please don't feel slighted. I really do appreciate the feedback more than just saying I appreciate it really conveys. So, first up is an email from Matthew Cody, who wrote in with Mattman's Marvelous Musings. Dear Michael, I caught up on the show and am loving it. I am fortunate to have a copy of World's Finest number 232 and would have to say that that is my favorite Bob Haney story you have covered so far. And I'm just going to cut in real quick and add that Matt's referring to episode 23 where we covered the Dream Bomb from World's Finest Comics number 232. Being able to look at the fabulous art plays a role in that, I'm sure. As for the story, I thought it was a great concept, but wondered if Bruce or Clark ever considered their parents crossing the bridge back to life. It would have taken longer because they were dead longer, and the world probably would have been driven mad at that point. Superman did the right thing, turning that bridge to dust. You should not dismiss those bodybuilding ads so quickly, as the Universal universal Bodybuilding course on legs would help you in your goal of running a 5K. Put some muscle on those spindly legs, and you will have a muscular power like you never dreamed possible. Then you can just leap the 3.1 miles with your Lou Ferrigno legs. You have my support and encouragement in the 5K endeavor. Also, I forgive you for not dropping a new podcast every week. I appreciate that you play a couple promos and let us know where we can catch you on other shows. You have a great perspective, so live your life and give that Michael Bradley point of view. I'm also glad that it's only two promos, because I have a lot of other podcasts that I'm not caught up on. Oh, Matt, I feel your pain. I also love your choice of songs when you close, when you close an episode. When possible, can you play the full song? I'm excited about your plans for this show. Matthew Cody. And thank you very much, Matt. We'll probably talk about this more later in the episode, but as Matt makes a reference to, I ran my first 5K last fall. Uh, Leading up to that, I did a series of mini-episodes, and it seems like those were uh, really liked by a lot of folks because I got a lot of good encouragement from that and you know people wishing me well in the race and all that um, they're not on the feed anymore but you can still get them at the website greatcrypton.com if you're interested um, and while we're on the subject I do want to point out and I posted this on Facebook a few weeks ago but I know not everyone who listens to the show has uh, is on Facebook or can follow the show that way but iTunes has changed the way podcasts are displayed in the store only the most recent 20 episodes are displayed. But don't worry, as far as this show is concerned and every other podcast that I've hosted or co-hosted, all the episodes are still available. If you want to get a, an episode that's not on the feed or that's not displaying in the iTunes store, all you need to do is subscribe and then you can see the full feed. Um, individual episodes also are available on the website. Uh, you, you can just Pull up the uh, original show post and download it manually if you'd rather go that route. Uh, but Matt sent that email at the end of July, shortly after well, July uh, uh, 2014, I guess it is, shortly after the so-called Batman Day that DC deemed as a celebration of the Dark Knight's 75th anniversary. 
And he also sent along a photo of his kids sitting inside a replica of the Batmobile from the 1966 television series, which was really cool. So thanks, Matt. I remember when I was a kid in the early 1980s or early early 1980s, late 1980s or early 90s, my family went on vacation. And one of our stops was the, I believe it was the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And when we were there or wherever this place was, they had a replica of the car from one of the models of the show. Uh, I, I, it, well, I say replica. It might have been the, one of the actual props. But um, either way, it was behind ropes, and I couldn't get real close, but I got to see it, which to however old I was at that point, you know, eight years old, maybe nine, maybe ten. I don't think I was quite that old. Uh, but however old I was, it was one of the coolest things I had ever seen in my life to that point. And uh, somewhere there's, there's actually a photo of me standing as close to the car as I could get, you know, with the ropes and all. Uh, but no, I am, I am not going to be posting that. Uh, hashtag sorry, not sorry. Uh, but Matthew also made a website comment for that same episode, asking, Do we know if Dagiri the Snow Devil appeared at any point? I get the feeling DC could do an ongoing series on the threads that Bob Haney started. And as far as I know, Matthew, Dagiri never got an appearance or even so much as a mention outside of that issue. But if I find out different, I will be sure to make mention of it on the podcast. Next up is an email from Professor Allen, host or co-host of the Quarterbin podcast and other shows over at the Relatively Geeky Network. And he writes, I really enjoyed the mailbag episode part 2. That's two in French. I have learned in a year of podcasting that feedback episodes sound easy, but they can be kind of tricky to make interesting and engaging. The way you do it accomplishes that very well, and I am suitably impressed. And thank you very much, Alan. This is actually the first show I've done where I've had episodes dedicated to just feedback. And you are absolutely right. They they are trickier than they appear. Um... I'm not convinced that anything I do is interesting or engaging, but I'm glad you think so. Um, But Alan continues, I'm curious how far into the future you're at least tentatively selected episodes for. Do you have all of the world's finest issues available via showcase and other methods? Have you had, or will you, have to purchase issues in trades to accumulate the necessary issues? Just curious. Well, I'm going to tackle the back half of that first. Of the 252 issues from the Team-Up era, which goes from issue 71 to the end of the series, between the showcase volumes, other reprints like the Super Sons trades, or original issues, I'm only about 50 issues shy of having a a complete run. I would love to fill out the run, so I'm usually on the lookout for the other issues in the cheapy bins, uh, but there aren't, sadly, there aren't many brick-and-mortar stores uh, within a convenient driving distance of where I live, so I have to rely on out-of-town trips when I hit up comic shops, or once in a great while, there, it's really rare, but once in a great while, uh, I'll stumble upon a, uh, a nice lot on eBay with several issues that I'm missing that, you know, I can afford, that I, that I consider at a reasonable price. But as to the other question, right now, and, and I probably would have answered this different had I read this when Alan first sent it to me, but right now, I don't have anything planned, even tentatively, beyond what I'm recording right now. Um, I was going about a month out 
but right now I'm just going episode by episode. I do have a couple things penciled in on the do sometime list, certain issues, a couple guest hosts that I've talked to about coming on, but nothing absolutely concrete as far as, well, you know, actually, you know what, I take that back. I know what I'm going to do for episode 50, assuming I get that far. But I have known that since the very first episode, so I don't know if it's really fair to include that. Uh, oh, and I, I, I also have an idea for an episode the week that the movie comes out, Batman v Superman, uh, which I actually just thought of in the past couple weeks. Um, I, I kind of go back and forth on how far in advance to plan the show. You know, on one hand, it's good to have a plan, but on the other, I, I like the freedom of just pulling a random issue or an issue that fits a whim that I'm having that particular week. So we'll see how it goes moving forward, and, you know, I I may start planning again, or I may just go week to week. I don't know. Uh, But Alan wraps up. As always, thanks for the nice things you said on that episode about what Emily and I have going on the Relatively Geeky Network. Keep up the good work, Michael. I I I am planning to listen forever and miss the show never. Professor Alan, Quarterman Podcast, and the Shortbox Showcase. And I tell you what, Alan, if those checks keep clearing, I will keep the praise coming. But seriously, Alan, it's all true. Uh, folks, check out the Quarter Bend Podcast, the Shortbox Showcase, Uncovering the Bronze Age, and everything else on the Relatively Geeky Network. They did have a slight momentary lapse in judgment when they had some guy that hosts a Superman and Batman podcast on and let him ramble on for a couple hours. But other than that... They put together a great group of shows, so be sure to give a listen to anything over there that suits your fancy. Uh, But next up is an email from Matthew Cody, who also chimed in on the second mailbag episode. Michael, I enjoy the feedback episodes and think a three... Oh, sorry, and think three a year will do just fine. Thank you for reading my email and comments. I thought you missed one of mine and and that maybe WordPress didn't alert you to my comment on the Batman Birthday Spectacular special episode. But then I checked and didn't see it there. I might have emailed you with the subject line, Michael's beautiful, brave, and bold Batman birthday bash, or something like that. If you never got it, I might go back to comment on that episode. One thing I asked for is that if you would please say all the places the story has been reprinted before the synopsis, so the listeners can track down if they want to read read it before your excellent coverage. And yeah, Matthew, I didn't get that email, and I'm sad about that too because I was really pleased with how the uh, the Happy Birthday Batman episode came out, and I really would have loved to hear some feedback on that. Uh, I, I didn't get it on WordPress either, which is weird because other than, you know, spam, WordPress is usually pretty good about posting everything, and I, to my knowledge, we've, I've never missed a, missed a comment there either, but sorry for, for the lost comment, Matt, uh, you know, Sometimes things just get eaten by this wonderful stuff we call technology. But Matthew's uh, email continues. Congratulations to Earth 2 Chris and Sphinx Magoo on your Haney Awards. In my efforts to go above and beyond as a listener, I thought I would offer my suggestion for a new bit. Meanwhile, on Earth Prime, where you give a fact or historical date from... Oh, sorry. Where you give a fact or historical date from our world and contrast it with the world in the episode you are covering. This is something you have done in the past, like when you gave the dates that men went into space in the Menace of the Moon Man episode, and I always love that you provide that context, educating your listeners. Thanks for the great podcast. 
And thank you, Matthew, and thank you for the suggestion. I I do I, I do like to do that stuff when it applies, and I I don't know about doing it every episode, uh, but I will try to keep my eyes peeled about more things I can make reference to in the future, or at least put it into a real world context. Um, I know a lot of people listening to the show are like myself in that they weren't reading comics in the 1950s or 60s or maybe even the 70s. So it can be difficult to relate to how the world was when a particular issue was published. Uh, But next up is a website comment from Dave McElvaney on episode 24, where I looked at the Colossal Kids from World's Finest Comics number 152. And Dave writes, Greetings, Michael. Another fun episode. Thank you. I do have a few things to add to your commentary and one quibble. Number one, how were the kids, air quotes, kids, able to donate blood without arousing any questions? Number two, among the possibilities not considered by Superman or Batman was that they were non-Kryptonian aliens. Number three, why did Batman feel the need to use a variety of kryptonite against the kids to see if they were Kryptonian? Surely Green K would have been sufficient. And Dave, those are all (laughs) excellent points. Uh, The story did have a lot of I don't know if plot holes is is the most accurate term, but plot snags at the very least. Uh, Back into Dave's email. Now for my quibble. You mentioned that that you had the reveal spoiled for you even before you read the story, but you never explained that. Why tell the listeners that and not explain it? Have you never heard of Chekhov's gun? That's Anton Chekhov and not Ensign Pavel Chekhov. In any event, as I said, a fun episode. I have the idea that episode 25 will involve the composite Superman. If that's the case, I will be absolutely thrilled, since he is a wonderful foe for the world's finest team, and I love that character. Good luck with your training for the 5K. It sounds like you're on the upswing there. Live long and prosper. Dave, a.k.a. Hulk Carr. Thanks, Dave. Um, you know, I don't remember now how the ending was spoiled. Um, it was probably that I was flipping through the issue as I tend to do sometimes and just came across that page and you know recognized what had happened or that I read a brief synopsis online. Um, I, I guess I could have explained it a bit more in the episode, but as I recall, the how didn't seem as important. You know, the, the how didn't seem important, only that it happened. Uh, but as you know by now, episode 25 did indeed focus on the composite Superman as I was joined by the mighty Bob Fisher of Superman Forever Radio for what turned into a special double episode extravaganza. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as Bob and I did talking about it. And thank you very much for the positive words on the 5K. I did definitely go through some hills and valleys leading up to it, but as I'm finding out as I try to get back in shape for this year's race, that's kind of part of it. Uh, But thank you very much. Uh, Previous Haney Award winner and one half of the hosting duo behind the Supermates podcast, Chris Franklin, also chimed in about the story. When I looked at this cover over at Mike's Amazing World, I noticed the kids' colors were awfully mixy-like, and now I know why. This sounds like a fun one. I have to agree with Dave that the kids giving blood is probably the craziest thing in this story, and one that destroys all suspension of disbelief, which is weird considering it's about an alien, a guy in a bat costume, and two fifth-dimensional imps that can alter reality with a thought. I love to hear you tackle the world's funnest one-shot at some point. Man, what a zany ride through DC history that is. 
It really may be the world's funnest comic. Mixing in Batmite in rare form there. Chris. Wait a minute, Chris. What's so suspension of disbelief destroying about a strange visitor from another planet with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men? I demand a recount. Chris is, as I said, part of the Supermates podcast, which he co-hosts with his wife, Cindy. Um, he's also half of the Power Records podcast, along with Rob Kelly, which you can find on the Fire and Water Network. And he also recently guest-hosted on two episodes of the Secret Origins podcast, where he talked with host Ryan Daly about the issues of Secret Origins, focused on the Golden Age Superman and the Golden Age Batman. And I'm not sure what kind of dirt that Chris has on Ryan that he was able to finagle his way onto both episodes, but rest assured, Chris... In a jealous rage, I have sent my highly trained squadron of ninja squirrels to your house to usher forth your demise. If you're hearing this, it's already too late. The bright side is, I've toyed with covering both of those issues on this show in a special episode at some point. But since Ryan and Chris did such a bang-up job on them, that now I don't have to. So go check them out, and once again, Chris, thank you very much for the feedback. Chris also wrote in about the uh, the aforementioned episode 25, but this time, his comments led with a dire message. Somebody warn Rob Kelly! Despite my pal Rob's hatred for him, I've always liked the composite Superman, and this tale. I first met Joe Meech in this very story, albeit in the reprint from DC Special Series number 23, which was on, which was in, oh sorry, which was one of DC's digests. The coverage showed composite Superman zapping Superman, Batman, Robin, Aquaman, Green Arrow, and some guy named Nova. Turns out the cover was playing a bit coy with the readers, as Aquaman, Green Arrow, and this Nova, who turns out to be Superman and other guys, dude, spoiler, weren't in the same story with composite Superman, but a separate tale in the issue. Oh well, it was still a great comic, and a great story. And yeah, Chris, DC pulled a lot of that stuff on the digests and during the Dollar Comics era of World's Finest Comics, as Aaron Moss and I talked about in episode 32. Uh, I can clearly see why, but it can be a bit of a letdown if you don't know the book's contents. But Chris continues, I really enjoy Bob's perspective as a fan who was there when all this hit. That's definitely a fresh take amongst the usual comics podcasting crowd, and I'm definitely going to have to take a listen to his show, Superman Forever Radio. And yes, Chris, you do. Even if you stop listening to this show, I'll be glad to take the hit because Superman Forever Radio, hosted by Bob Fisher, is a must-listen podcast. So Chris wraps up his email. Silver Age si- sil- excuse me, Silver Age silliness aside, you guys hit the nail on the head. The threat level to Superman and Batman is huge and quite real, which is unusual in the Silver Age. The stakes were very high there, which is why I think this story still resonates and stands out among the entire world's finest run. Looking forward to part two, Chris. And thank you very much, Chris. I really hope part two didn't let you down. Dave McElveney also wrote in about the first part of episode 25, saying, Two of my favorite hosts in one podcast together. I'm a big fan of the composite Superman, and it was great to hear the episode. Michael and Bob did a wonderful job expressing the joy of the Silver Age as well as the silliness in this story. Even as a kid of eight at the time I read this story originally, I thought that Superman and Batman, 
and don't forget Robin, really dodged defeat at the hands of a supervillain who had tremendous advantages over them. But I also thought, even as an eight-year-old, that Superman's trying to see under Batman's cowl was goofy, as was Composite Superman's choice of green skin, for no apparent reason, other than to remind everyone that he had Brainiac 5's superintelligence. I'm really looking forward to part two, with more discussion and banter between Michael and Bob. Thank you both for a really fun episode. And you are very welcome, Dave. I, I, uh, I will confess, I think Bob made that show, so all praise goes to him. Uh, and Dave, I didn't realize you had been reading since the Silver Age as well. Uh, we'll have to see about getting you on the show sometime to talk about your first-hand memories of the books from that era and, and uh, just your experience as a fan in the past uh, 30 or 40 years. Uh, I know Bob has a lot of good insights, and I would be interested in hearing any insights you have as well. Uh, but next up is an email from friend and listener from down under, Matthew Apps. And because Sean's not here, I'm going to have to read this email in my American accent rather than the Australian accent as we do over on Parallel Lines. But Matthew writes, Dear Michael, good day. Well, I guess that was kind of Australian through an uh, American lens. Anyway, good day. First up, I've really been enjoying this show as well as the others that you've put out. Second, you say that you don't pick which comics you'll be covering, that they are chosen randomly. Out of curiosity, what process do you use to do this? Is it just It's just something I've wondered about since you're so started. Anyway, keep up the great work. Matthew Apps. Well, Matthew, sometimes I do pick out certain issues, but more often than not, especially when it comes to issues of World's Finest Comics, I do select those episodes at random. And to do that, I just use a random number generator. Um, there are several of them online. The one I use... I think it's called Randomizer. Maybe just Google Randomizer and see if that brings it up. It lets you plug in certain numbers and then it generates a set of numbers within that range. Um, And when I do that, I try to hold to what picks. Um, There have been a time or two when I've given it a second spin, such as in the second episode of the show where I wanted something that was decidedly different than the Silver Age story from the premiere. But for the most part, I spin it and just let the chips fall where they may. Uh, That's kind of part of the fun of the show, I think, is is truly just picking out a random issue, even if it ends up being the second part of a two-parter or the middle chapter like we had. uh, Again, I'm blanking on the issue number, but uh, we had a Bronze Age tale that was basically the middle chapter of the story. Uh, But Mattis hopes... Hopes? Matt is host of the Armored Hero Steel, a John Henry Irons podcast, which is a great great series looking at the Steel book that spun out of Reign of the Superman in the 1990s. Uh, Steel is a great character, and I'm really glad that he's getting his due in the form of Matt's show. Chris Franklin also wrote in regarding part two of episode 25. And he wrote, Great job on part two, guys. So glad you pointed out how Kurt Swan drew different faces for different characters. This is something he taught to later artists he influenced, like George Perez. I always loved that close-up panel of half of the Joker's face, but was also weirded out by his clown costume. Reminds me of his costume from the debut episode of the 66 TV series. Man, that month was huge for DC Comics. Besides Brave and the Bold number 54, which is considered by DC to be, to be the Teen Titans' first appearance, 
you get the first two new look Batman appearances as well in Batman number 164 and Detective Comics number 327. Batman debuted his oval logo in this issue of World's Finest as well, though it took them a bit longer to update his vehicles and Robin's hair in World's Finest. The bit with Bob at the end of the credits sounded very familiar. My mom read comics to me before, sorry, before I could read, but by the time I got to first grade, I was reading rings around the other kids, thanks to comics. Again, great show, guys, and I hope Bob stops by again. Chris. And thank you very much, Chris. Uh, Dave McElveney wrote in, touching on a lot of the same points, so I'm going to go ahead and read that uh, email, and then I can kind of reply to both of them, you know, together. But Dave's email right, reads, Another great episode. I must point out that I share Bob's passion about the genuine friendship between Superman and Batman. Maybe that's because he and I are close in age, so the Silver Age stories were what we grew up with. When you were discussing the Joker in a clown costume question, I thought that this gave the reader the idea there were adventures we as the readers didn't know about, which gave Batman and Superman more depth as characters. Maybe that wasn't the intent of the writers or and artists, but it was in effect. And I'm going to put this on pause for a minute to say that I really agree with that. Um, readers, and I know I'm guilty of this, but we often tend to see the published adventures as the total life of a particular character. So when we see things like this, it throws us. But it's completely plausible and, and even acceptable that what we're seeing is only select moments from a much broader life. And like you, I really, really like that. Not only does it let the reader's imagination run wild, but it could very well trigger another story down the road, even from another writer. Uh, but back into Dave's comments, I also agree that it was a missed opportunity in not bringing back the composite Superman as a recurring villain. We, he would have been a good one, and he certainly posed a threat and a challenge to the world's finest team. While my mom didn't read comics to me, she certainly bought them for me and encouraged me to read them, with the help of my older brothers when I was very young. To this day, I still tell people that Superman taught me to read. And that's really cool, Dave. Um, as someone who didn't read comics on a regular basis until his teens, I don't have that experience. And I feel like a lot of kids growing up today won't either with just how the comics market has changed. But, you know, I guess you can't stop progress. Uh, but Dave concludes, keep up the good work, and I, and I agree with Earth 2 Chris in hoping Bob Fisher makes a return appearance. Well, Chris and Dave, as far as I'm concerned, there's always a chair open for Bob anytime he wants to come on the show. Um, it's kind of like Miracle Monday, where people would set a place at the, at the table for Superman in hopes that he would show up, except instead of just once a year, it's every episode. But in the meantime, go listen to Bob's show. He puts out a fantastic podcast and has really great insight in the perspective of a longtime fan. Now, there are more emails about the Composite Superman episodes, but they are a little bit down the list, and I'm kind of trying to go uh, in order that I received them here. So this seems like it might be a good place to plug in a promo or maybe something else, and then I'll be back for more of your feedback. This is Mr. Perry White's house. And inside, Perry White of the Daily Planet is just sitting down to breakfast. Mr. White is one of those remarkable men who is in complete control of himself in any crisis. Calm, 
cool-headed, easygoing, even-tempered. Where are those Kellogg's cornflakes? If someone doesn't bring me another package within two seconds, I'll... I'll... Two seconds? This sounds like a job for Superman. About time. Mr. White's a man who always gets his way. But even Superman couldn't keep everybody in Kellogg's cornflakes all the time. Every morning, more people run out of Kellogg's cornflakes than any other cereal. They taste best to more people. Always have, still do. That's why it's so easy to run out of them. So anytime you buy any cereal of any kind, pick up a spare package of Kellogg's cornflakes. You'll like them. And we are back with more feedback from Chris Franklin. This time about episode 26, where we looked at The Caveman from Krypton, from World's Finest Comics number 102. And Chris writes, Weird Al and Encino Man, you are on fire. I still sing Bedrock Anthem whenever Give It Away comes on the radio. And then Chris goes on to call that a curse, but I think by curse, he meant really awesome talent. And he continues his email with, I actually have the caveman from Krypton in both the 80-page giant you mentioned and the Showcase Presents volume. It is a great little tale, and you're right, it's got a bit more emotional punch than most DC titles of the time. Finger often seemed ahead of his time in that respect. Not all of his stories had this aspect, but his were more likely to than many of his contemporaries. I think you hit another nail on the head. DC Comics of the Silver Age were all about how the hero got out of the fix. They were guaranteed to succeed, but it was all about how clever the character, or the writer, was in getting out of the given scenario. Since there was very little character development back then, a good plot and a great resolution separated the men from the boys. Wondering who your guest host may be next week? Chris. And thank you, Chris. I think you're absolutely right about Bill Finger. Um, And it makes me glad that I can cover Bill Finger written stories on the show. Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster never wrote or drew any proper Superman and Batman team-ups, and we all know that Bob Kane really drew anything. So at least I get to uh, celebrate some direct works from one of the creators. Uh, Next up is an email from Dylan Bagani on episode 23. Dear Michael, I may not have been the most loyal fan, not emailing in, uh, sorry, not emailing for any of the episodes, but I will try to start now. The first one concerns the Dream Bomb. Originally, I thought Mr. McDreamy was the villain's name. I had to sigh deeply and say, duh, to think that. Honestly, the Patrick Dempsey reference should have been a huge tip-off. And see, I could explain what Dylan is referencing there, but if you read the website post with each episode, then you already get it. And if you don't, why aren't you reading the website post with each episode? I pour minutes of work into those things. But anyway, it's a shame to see that Dream Bomb is not Bob Haney's greatest work of art. I have the Showcase Presents Teen Titans Volume 1, and if you're looking for fun, classic, zany Haney stories, this book is for you. Also included is his wacky way of wording in the 60s. Those are the types of stories I look forward to, not this Dream Bomb, which was really a nightmare. Already, I'm going to stop the dream jokes and continue with the story. And I'm going to put this on pause for a minute. I haven't read a whole lot of Haney's Teen Titans, but I have experienced quite a few of them through Thomas DJ's DJ Comics Cavalcade, which 
hasn't really had any new episodes out in a few years now, but you should still be able to find them online. And if you like this show and the way we kind of poke fun, loving fun, at Bob Haney's World's Finest Stories, then you might like Thomas DJ's riffing on the Teen Titans stories, too. Uh, But back to Dylan's email. Bob Haney seemed like he had all the time in the world to write the first two chapters, then was rushed and thought, how can I finish this? I apologize for being harsh about this, but, oh, I know. How about an ending that seems shoved in and makes no sense at all? With all that said, you did a really good job coping with it, and therefore your podcasting skills still prevailed and once again shows your skillfulness. Two other small matters. First, I thought I recognized your voice on the Fantasticast promo. Did you know about the Puppet Master before you voiced him? What was your method to get into character? But seriously, you were great. Next, I want to thank you for reading my email on your podcast. It makes me feel really proud. Many, and when I say many, I mean most kids don't listen to podcasts or radio broadcasts slash serials nowadays, but this listener enjoys both equally. Thanks again, Michael. You made one listener that much happier. Good luck on further podcasting and more jokes to come. Sincerely, the not-yet-nicknamed Dylan. And thanks, Dylan, for writing in. Uh, yes, that was me on the uh, the the Puppet Master promo for the Fantasticast. Or the, I'm sorry, the that was me as the Puppet Master on the Fantasticast promo. All the words are there. Just put them in the right order for me. Um, th- there wasn't really getting into character. I just read the line that Stephen Lacey gave me in various inflections, and then Stephen picked the one where I sounded the creepiest. Which actually kind of worked for the Puppet Master because, well, because the Puppet Master is a big old creep. Uh, Dylan also wrote in regarding episode 24, which was The Colossal Kids. Dear Michael, thanks for another overall great podcast. I realize my emails are long, so this one will be short. Not because this was bad, but quite the opposite. And also because I have barely any remarks about this one. First, the revealing of Mr. Mix's Pitalik and Batmite as the antagonist came just uh, just about out of left field. If I was a kid back then, I would have I wouldn't have thought that was an option. Also, the title was The Colossal Kids. Neither one of the imps are that colossal. Either they used their magic, I misread the title, or I am surprisingly correct. Please clarify. Anyway, it brought a fun and entertaining read. Boy, they wrote a goofy story, but somehow it worked. I guess that whenever you add Mixie or Batmite in a comic, it somehow works because they both provide a weird and wacky comic, no matter where. And they're just fun characters to mold into a story somehow. It's always good to see anything with them in it. As for your podcasting skills, this episode was spot on. No mistakes as far as I can see from your end. Overall, this episode ranks as one of the highest on my list, and therefore it was one of your best. Okay, since this email is longer than I intended, I'm sorry. But thanks anyways for the time and inclusion. Sorry the story got spoiled for you before it was supposed to, and more jokes to come. The still not yet nicknamed, but I guess this is kind of a nickname, Dylan. I, and Dylan, I think the name of the story had more to do with just the phonetic alliteration uh, than anything. You know, kind of like Clark Kent has a nice ring to it, uh, as opposed to, you know, their actual size or, or whatever. Uh, but thanks for the email and the compliments, Dylan. And you don't have to apologize for the length, long or short. What's important is that folks are writing in, because as I've said before many times, I really do appreciate the feedback and getting email from listeners. Uh, but not just email. 
I also like website comments, like this one from Chris Franklin on episode 27. And that was the episode where Sean Engel stopped by to talk about Batman Adventures number 25, which was the first teaming of Superman and Batman in the DC Animated Universe. Or at least the first teaming until it was later retconned. But regardless, it's still a great issue, illustrated by the equally great Mike Parabek. And here's what Chris had to say. Great episode, guys. Always a pleasure to hear Sean stop by. I was a huge fan of Batman the Animated Series and the comic series. When Nightfall just kept dragging on and on and on, it helped me keep my sanity by giving me, cl- my, giving me a classic bat fix. Plus, the whole series is just darn fine comics. And, Chris, I know what you're saying. Um, there was a time when Superman Adventures, which I bought as it came off the rack every month, uh, when that book was the best ongoing Superman title. Around 1997 or 1998 or so, you know, the regular books were mired in uh, Blooperman and the Dominus story arcs and, and what have you, and Mark Miller and the others were over in Superman Adventures, which wasn't getting a lot of recognition at the time, putting out these almost consistently good Superman comics, just, you know, straight up traditional kind of classic stories each and every month and they were kind of a port in the storm for those of us like myself who were not as thrilled with the stuff going on over in the regular books Uh, but back into Chris's email I do remember this issue being a huge deal again he's referring to the Batman Adventures number 25 everyone wanted more DC characters in the animated series and the associated comic At this point, only Zatanna had appeared on the show with Jonah Hex to follow. And you know what's weird? I'm going to interrupt Chris's email again. It's weird, and maybe I'm looking at this from a 2015 perspective, but it's weird that the first two uh, non-Bat family characters to appear in the show would be Zatanna and Jonah Hex, who... In, you know, 1990, when did that come out? 1992, 1993, were really low profile. And I mean, you know, Zaytana has appeared now um, in, she appeared in Smallville, and Jonah Hex had a movie that wasn't real well regarded. But even today, they're not, they're not A-list heroes, or really even B-list heroes. I mean, I, and that's not to discount anyone who's a fan of either character, but, you know, your, your average Joe on the street probably hasn't heard of Zaytana or Jonah Hex outside of that Jonah Hex movie and maybe the random person who remembers the couple episodes of Smallville where she showed up. Uh, so it's weird to me that those would be the first two characters that would show up in the the, uh, this, this, the what's the word? Cartoon. There we go. Uh, But back to Chris's email. An animated Superman had appeared in the Superman and Batman magazine, which was a kid's magazine published by Welsh Publishing, but featured comics by the Animated and Adventures Comics staffs. But this was his first time in the comic proper. And did did the magazine come first, Chris? Because I could have sworn that that was later. Um, I have grabbed those those issues on eBay some time ago, and I plan to go through them at some point, but I thought those came out after Batman Adventures number 25. Um, 
I could be wrong. I, I remember seeing an issue or two on the newsstand uh, at the local grocery store around that time, but uh, I didn't pick them up because I didn't have the, you know, I was not, I was still in school and didn't have the uh, uh, the kind of expendable cash that a, a working teenager or college kid would have. Um, but, oh gosh, I thought the, I thought that magazine was later, but, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but back to Chris's email. I will admit I was disappointed to see the super mullet Fabio slash Amish Lex and Maxi Zeus, who I've never been a huge fan of. But the sheer awesomeness of Superman, Batman, and Parabek's art more than made up for it. See that art contest blurb on the cover? I won that! Yes, one month, my letter was selected, and I was told I'd receive some gorgeous Parabek art. It never came. It must have gotten lost in the mail. I should have followed up on it. Oh, sorry, I should have followed up on it more, but hey, I was just starting college, so I was kind of busy, you know? And Chris, that is awesome! I had no idea that you won the contest. Uh, that's that's just really cool, and I'm I'm really sorry that you didn't get your art. Um, original art is always cool to own. I don't own any myself, uh, but you know I, I've looked at some online and thought about buying it, and then the the cost of it just got the better of me. But having uh, a Mike Paraback original piece of art would be awesome to hang on the wall. So I'm really sorry that you never uh, got your prize. Uh, but back into Chris's email. Parabek was such a breath of fresh air in amongst the awful cross-hatched art of the 90s. He was a master and left us far too soon. I recommend tracking down his run on the DC slash Archie Impact series, The Fly. Fantastic stuff. No less than Bruce Tim praised Parabek's art, readily admitting he brought his own flair to the Bruce Tim slash animated style. Kevin Nowlin and Mike Mignola actually designed Croc and Mr. Freeze for the animated series so it's very fitting to see them here on these pinups. Nowlin actually actually contributed to several key designs, including Robin, the Mad Hatter, Man Bat, and the Riddler. Thanks for such a delightful romp. Comics should always be this fun. And I didn't know that Nowlin did so many designs for the series, but looking at them now that you said that, I can definitely see it, um, especially with Killer Croc and to a certain extent, Mr. Freeze, uh, but really the whole series as a whole, uh, I, I, can, I can see the influence there. So that's, that's very interesting. I have never read Perilbeck's Fly, but I'm currently um, about a third of the way into the Justice Society of America series that he did with Len Straczewski in the early 90s, and the art in that has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, absolutely no complaints from me um, about it there. And I... I I may check out the the fly stuff at some point. I, I do want to check out the Impact comics as a whole at some point in my reading uh, because I've heard a lot of good things from it. And a lot of people that I trust have had high praise for it. But thanks for the email, Chris. Sorry again about the art, but you're right. Comics should always be this fun. Dave McElvini also wrote in about the episode, saying, Another wonderful episode. Thank you to both Michael and Sean. I don't really know this issue, or for that matter, the Batman Adventure books, but I love any display of and celebration of what I consider the proper friendship between Superman and Batman. Clearly, based on the story and your commentary, the creators of the story really understood... Sorry, really understood that. Wouldn't it be nice if more writers and artists of today understood that a bit better? 
keep up the good work. Live long and prosper. Dave McElvaney. And yes, Dave, it, it really, really would. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say, really, without getting overly negative. Uh, so uh, maybe it's just best if I moved on right now. Um, and if so, but, but rest assured, Dave, you are, are not alone in that sentiment. In episode 28, we looked at the Bewitched Batman from World's Finest Comics number 109, where Batman fell victim to a 12th century Alan Funt and fought an alien space dragon. And who says comics aren't awesome? But Chris Franklin wrote in saying, That's a fun story. I liked the punked angle, and I wonder if the Twilight Zone maybe had something to, something to do with the story with some random strange thing always happening to someone out of left field. The show was fairly new at the time. Robin was, was portrayed as a bit of an excitable dweeb on the Batman 66 show, but he also often appeared to be the smartest person on the show, deducing the answer to the latest riddle or puzzle before Batman, Commissioner Gordon, Chief O'Hara, or even the Bat Computer could many times. You got the impression once Batman taught him to appreciate the fine art and music and drink his milk, the kid was going to do all right. Chris. And yeah, he'd either do all right or end up with a woman chained in his basement. I'm not really sure which. Matthew Cody also wrote in about this episode. And wow, this one got a lot of comments. I'm, I'm really, really happy about that because both Sean and I really, uh, we really enjoyed the issue. And I'm glad that you listeners did too. Uh, but Matthew wrote, Great show, Michael. After listening to this episode, I had the urge to rewatch the Teen Titans Go cartoon called Super Robin to refresh my memory of what happened when Raven granted Robin superpowers. I wonder if Robin ever asked Superman for some of those superpower-inducing rays from this device. Where the heck did, the, the, did that device come from? Silver Age Superman probably made it. Do you know if it was used before or since World's Finest Comics number 109? I'm excited for the special series of episodes you have planned for the rest of the year. I always listen to the total episode because you're right, we do have fun here. And thank you, uh, Matthew. To answer your question, not that I'm aware of. Uh, the, the superpowers giving device was never, again, as far as I'm aware, referenced in any other story, which just makes it all the more absurd, in my opinion, because if you have a device that gives people superpowers, why not use it a little more often, you know? Um, but I'm interested in checking out that Teen Titans Go episode. Uh, I, I've not seen it. I, what I have seen of the Teen Titans cartoon just isn't really to my flavor. Uh, that's That shouldn't be taken as a criticism because I haven't really seen that much of it. Uh, but an episode where Robin gets superpowers sounds like it might be fun, so I will try to check that out at some point. Frequent writer Dylan sent an email about the composite Superman episode, and he wrote, Dear Michael, hi again. Hopefully this one will be shorter than the others. First, I do not know why I had the nickname Needing Problem. I will just revert back to the name of Dylan in the closing. You do not need to include the nickname or this for reading on your podcast, but if you want to, you can. Oh, Dylan, you can have a nickname if you want to. Uh, I do wonder if maybe nicknames aren't best given by others, though. I mean, Superman didn't start calling himself the Man of Steel, right? But I don't know. What's important is that whatever you want to be called, that's what we'll call you, okay? So back into Dylan's email. I think that Bob Fisher and you are a good service to this story. 
for certainly one of the oddest characters in DC history, Super Turtle and others of that type excluded. The composite Superman may be my favorite villain, Brainiac excluded, and Superman and Batman are my favorite heroes, Martian Manhunter excluded. Wait, I just realized that my favorite superheroes, and the ones I just mentioned, are green. Weird. That explains a lot. And just to interrupt, you know, Dylan, there is an issue of World's Finest Comics, and I don't know the issue off the top of my head, but it features Superman and Batman squaring off against a team-up of Brainiac and the Batman villain Clayface. I don't know when that will come up in the rotation, but be sure to keep your ears on future episodes because I think you'll really like that story, uh, especially if you like Jimmy Olsen. But back into the email. Anyway, when I was first introduced to the composite Superman, I thought that he had just the powers of soups and bats, a.k.a. my favorite nicknames for them. I was wrong. It makes no sense why he chose that name when he had the powers of a legion. Why didn't he name himself something like the Ultimate Legion or something? His actual name doesn't really fit. But other than that, I didn't find any visible flaws. But I do have some questions. Number one, since the Legion has grown since that story, has he gained the additional powers of the new Legion members? And Dylan, again, I'm going to tell you to keep your ear on future episodes. Uh, if we ever get to the issues where he, uh, where the composite Superman returns, you'll definitely find out. Number two, what do you think, or who do you think would win in a fight between the Legion and the composite Superman from this story? Um, I'm going to go with the one who didn't lose, I think. Number three, how do all the modern day folks in the comic know about the Legion? Uh, well, Superboy had adventures with the Legion when he was in Smallville, and Supergirl has had adventures as well. Uh, you know, going to the future and hanging out with the Legion of Superheroes. Saturn Girl would often erase their memories if they learned anything that they shouldn't, like uh, future events or, you know, specifically things about their own future that could affect uh, decisions they made and that kind of thing. But they still remembered the Legion of Superheroes themselves. So it would follow that other people of their own time would have those memories as well, especially if there are statues of the Legion members in the Superman Museum. Uh, but Dylan, uh, another question, number four, how does the composite Superman fit into modern day comics? And unfortunately, he doesn't. Uh, the composite Superman has not appeared in the New 52, and just my own uh, expectations here, but given the tone of the New 52, and uh, kind of the, the direction they're taking with things, I don't expect to see him anytime soon. So you're all out of luck. Uh, but Dylan wraps up his email. But other than that, that's all I got. You made me want to check out Bob's show, which I will. Thanks for the read, and hopefully more 80s references to come. Dylan. And yes, Dylan, check out Bob's show. Uh, if this mailbag episode has a theme, it's Listen to Superman Forever Radio. Listen to Superman Forever Radio. Next up is a comment from Mark Lax in, in reply to episode 28. Hey, Michael. Great show. By the time I listened to the podcast, I had already listened to the Superman fan podcast. It was great comparing the two, and of course, I'm not going to say which one was better. 
I will say you both have awesome shows. As for Robin on the Batman series, I do agree there was a lot of fathering from Batman, especially towards Dick, but I also feel that Batman treated Robin as an equal partner. The show truly centered on both characters and probably should have been called Batman and Robin. Anyway, the show was great, and I look forward to your take on the post-crisis relationship of our two favorite heroes. Thanks again, Mark Lax. And I kind of feel like my snarkiness about Robin in that episode really set some people on edge. Uh, I don't hate Robin, to be honest. Uh, I I do find him maybe a little bit annoying at times. Um, And I do... I, I will say that in quite a bit of his history, Batman simply feels incomplete without Robin by his side. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I can uh, do a special episode at some point getting more into uh, Robin and, and exactly how I feel about him as a character throughout the throughout his you know 70 years of history. Holy cliffhangers, Batman! Uh, but thank you, Mark, for the comments. I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, but next up is an email from Michael Lane, who I think is a new emailer. And this is in response to episode 29, where I started looking at the Batman and Superman World's Finest Maxi Series. And Michael writes, I just finished listening to your opening of the 1999 World's Finest arc. I have to admit that when this series first came out, I was pretty disappointed in it. I didn't dislike it necessarily, it just wasn't what I was hoping it would be. Please do not take that to mean I am disappointed that you're covering it. Quite the opposite, in fact. I've learned that I can enjoy podcast episodes devoted to issues I didn't care for as much as, or perhaps even more, than episodes devoted to ones I love. They may not make me change my mind, but they can still be insightful to listen to, and sometimes they may very well cause me to rethink my initial impression and revisit an issue. In any event, I enjoyed your coverage of the first episode on the topic and look forward to your coverage of the rest of the series. And you know, Michael, I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, I'm kind of the same way. I will listen to entire, not just entire episodes, but entire shows about things I'm not necessarily interested in per se because the hosts or hosts are knowledgeable and invested in and passionate about the subject material, and it makes for an interesting listen when the hosts are like that. So I'm glad you stuck with it, even though it wasn't material you were, you know, completely keen on. Uh, but Michael's email continues. The main reason I'm emailing, however, is that you mentioned the possibility of covering the Superman Batman Generations series, and wanted to hear from your audience on the topic. I, for one, would love for you to cover that miniseries and eventually cover all three miniseries set in that universe. I have been a huge fan of the Generation Saga since the first miniseries came out and have long been hoping one of the podcasts I listened to would take on the job of tackling those series or those issues. And what better place than the Superman and Batman podcast? So consider this a very, very passionate yes vote from one member of your audience. And really, I mean, you'd get to spend several episodes staring at pages of John Byrne drawing Superman as well as Batman and other heroes of the DC Universe. It's not like I'm asking you to do something really unpleasant here. Uh, Thank you very much, Michael. I, I really, really, really want to cover Generations. Uh, all three series, even though the last one uh, isn't that 
it isn't as great as the first two. Um, right now, though, I don't see it happening in the immediate future, unfortunately. I've got a vision in my head about how I want to cover uh, the, the three series, and it would... Well, I don't want to say it would require the episodes to be released in regular fashion, but I, I can see it losing a lot of impact if they aren't. Um, I, I really feel bad about the Maxi series coverage falling off. Uh, I do want to go back to that at some point, but it's not going to happen until I can get this show going monthly or no, weekly again because I feel it isn't fair to tie up the show for months covering one thing like that because, you know, as I talked about earlier in the, earlier in the uh, mailbag episode here, part of the fun and part of the impetus for doing this show is that I get to cover stuff from all over. You know, I, I might be on a Silver Age issue this episode, and then next episode, a Bronze Age issue. And I might dip into the radio serial here and there, and maybe do a, a post-crisis one-off, you know, at some point. Um, and, and if the show is weekly, we can move through an extended story arc pretty quickly, but at a monthly or bi-monthly rate, it just takes so much longer. And since I know that there are people who, you know, might not get as much thrill out of the post-crisis stuff as they do the Silver Age or vice versa, you know, I don't, I, I'm hesitant to tie up the show for months on end just covering one specific era. Uh, but thank you very much, Michael. I really do appreciate your yes vote, and I will keep it in mind. Um, take comfort in the fact that I do want to cover it probably as much as you want to hear it covered. And it's just coming to uh, coming down to a matter of time right now, or timing, I should say. Uh, but I will definitely keep it in mind, and as soon as opportunity allows, I will be all over, not just the first series, but all three series. Uh, time is often the bane of all podcasters. And Skype lag. Time and Skype lag is the bane of all podcasters. But next up is a comment from Russell Bragg on that very same episode. And Russell writes, Hi, Michael. I know nothing about this particular series, so I will be learning about it from you. It seems it seems I say that to a lot of podcasts that I write into. I'm more knowledgeable about the Bronze Age and the prior ages. I'll try to email after each of these episodes and give you any comments or questions that I have. I also want to say thank you very much for plugging my podcast, The DC Comics Presents Show. It is very much appreciated. As for a world's finest I'd like you to cover... Or I'd like you to do, how about number 255? I had this as a kid and finally reacquired it recently. It's not that the story is epic or anything. I pretty much bought the comic way back then for the cover. It's an interesting story, just not as ep- just not epic, and I would love to hear your take on it. Since you already did my favorite issue of number 271, or at least I think you did. If you didn't, then add that one too. Keep up the great work. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia. And thank you, Russell. Um, I looked up issue number 255 earlier because it wasn't ringing any bells, you know, just hearing the number. But that issue has a story written by Bob Haney and illustrated by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. So I don't see many ways that that could go wrong. And I will definitely keep it in mind if it doesn't come up soon in the rotation. As for 271, I've actually not covered that, and with good reason. Um, 
If you know the issue, then you probably understand when I say that it's something that I wanted to work up to. Given the amount of history and uh, story references in that issue, I strongly felt that it was something that I kind of had to earn on the show by laying a solid foundation before diving into that one. But rest assured, it is on one of those lists I talked about earlier in response to Professor Allen that uh, is penciled in as wanting to cover someday in a special episode. And and hopefully, uh, if the show continues long enough, hopefully I'll get the chance to do so. Russell, as he mentioned, is the host of the DC Comics Presents show, where he is looking at every issue of DC Comics Presents, which features Superman teaming up with heroes who are not Batman. Uh, Russell recently brought the show back from a short hiatus and has resumed doing the great job that he was doing before. Uh, He's really good about giving background on the characters featured in the issue, so even if uh, they're they're ones that you're not as familiar with, you still get a bit of their, you know, you get their backstory and can get a bit more familiar with them before he launches into the story proper. So be sure to check out Russell's show once again. That's the DC Comics Presents show. And Rusty, thanks for the email. Matthew Cody also wrote in with an email on that episode, and he wrote, Michael, I'm really enjoying your foray into this series. I love how you are giving your best attempt at placing each individual issue into each character's post-crisis continuity. This series will be a great reference for any additional post-crisis stories you cover, so it's a great choice to show the breadth of the relationship between Superman and Batman. And I'm going to interrupt the email for a minute to say that I really appreciated this comment. I like trying to place stuff like this into the continuity, and I know that ultimately it's pretty futile, because given, even given only the two decades of stories from 1986 to 2006, there are just too many stories from too many writers and too many editors to fit everything perfectly, especially as the continuity was shifted and adjusted, you know, as it went on. And I also realized that some people find it boring, uh, pedantic, and, and maybe even a little infuriating, because that's just not why they read comics. But I like doing it, so I was going to try and do it as I went on with that series. Uh, and I really appreciate hearing from that others of you out there really enjoy that kind of thing as well. Uh, but back to Matt's email. In book one, Alfred mentions a seminar Bruce took in making friends and influencing people. I wonder if Bruce was employing this when he said he wasn't interested in being in charge of a team effort and wanted to handle the case alone. I love how Superman politely says, I wasn't necessarily thinking you'd be in charge. In the following panel, the art is gorgeous. What I particularly like is that Clark is respectfully flying even with Bruce, not below or above him, despite Batman being a jerk in that scene. And that's a really great point, Matthew. Uh... And that's one I really hadn't thought of. Um, Clark, just by his his very nature and the upbringing in the post-crisis continuity, you know, he he isn't looking down on Batman, but seeing him uh, more as an equal. So that's a really, 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 really great point. Uh, Back into the email. Generations is a miniseries I have, yet I have never read it, and I would like to. I just haven't gotten around to it. So many comic books. If you would cover it on your excellent podcast, it would give me a reason to read it sooner sooner than later. Please do a four-show series on Generations at some point. 
Thanks, Matthew Cody. And Matthew, you should really read Generations with or without me. Uh, if you like John Byrne and Superman and Batman, you will definitely not regret it. Uh, but Mark Lax wrote in again about the same episode, saying, Hey Michael, enjoying the show. When you mentioned this series, I was very surprised that I didn't remember it. Now at the time, I was buying everything Superman and Batman, so I found it strange that this series didn't seem to register. Of course, it's very possible that I did read it, and for some bizarre reason, over the last 15 years, it has slipped my mind. But after hearing the episode where you discussed part one, I went to Amazon and bought the trade. I've only read the first two issues because I want to read them as you discuss them, but it seems to be a very intriguing story. I thought part one had a very Golden Age feel to it, and I have a feeling as the story continues, each part will have its own unique feel to it, seeing as it's taking place over 10 years... Sorry, taking place over a 10-year span in the relationship of Superman and Batman. I'm glad you're doing the story because it made me buy it, and I'm really looking forward to reading along with your podcast. Again, I'm really enjoying your show and looking forward every week to listening. Thanks, your friend, Mark Lax. And thank you very much, Mark. Hopefully you'll enjoy the show now that it's back, even though it's you know, going to be monthly and or maybe bi-monthly for the time being. Um, I didn't really get a Golden Age feel out of the first issue myself, but looking at it with that in mind, I can kind of see how you might have. Um, when I was reading it, I was reading it very much in the context of it being the post-crisis Superman and Batman. So I brought that tone with me, uh, I was applying that tone to the story, but looking at it in a void, yeah, I can see kind of how you would uh, get more of a Golden Age vibe out there. Uh, but next up is another another email from Dylan, this one being about, uh, oh, episode 27 with the Batman Adventures issue. Uh, I feel like I really should have taken time to reorder these by episode rather than the date that, that uh, I received them, so... Sorry about that. I, I will try to keep that in mind for next episode, or next mailbag. Uh, but anyway, Dylan wrote, Dear Michael, thanks for another skillful podcast. Though maybe, though maybe not my favorite, you did a good job covering this comic. I like the interactions between you and Sean Engel. I enjoy your joint podcast, Parallel Lines, and cannot wait until its return. Now for the comments. I have barely any comments on this episode. First, it does seem like Bats and Soups did meet up before this storyline. By the way they work se- oh, sorry. First, it does seem like Bats and Soups did meet up before this storyline by the way they work seamlessly together. Second, I like the interactions between the heroes and the complexity of the storyline was good. That's all for now, so I guess there's nothing more to say other than sincerely with more 80s references on the way, Dylan. And thank you very much, Dylan. Uh, We are going to actually continue on with two more emails from Dylan. The first on episode 28, which was The Bewitched Batman. And he writes, Dear Michael, thank you for another awesome podcast. I really enjoyed this one, and I hope I'm not alone with that assessment. This was definitely on the greater side of the Superman and Batman spectrum, and I'm proud to say that this ranks high in my books. A few questions rose to mind, though, like, Number one, does Superman ever use the superpower giver again? How does it fit into continuity? Number two, I can't remember if you said that the superpowers were taken away from Batman. 
were they? And number three, was the dead man that Batman got pranked by... Oh, I see. Does the dead man that Batman got pranked by exist? What's his story? Michael, I never thank you in my emails for reading and hopefully answering the questions, so thank you. You flowed seamlessly through this comic, and I felt like it was... I felt like it was one of the first and one of the best. Sincerely, with more totally tubular 80s references and exceeding emails coming, Dylan. And thank you, Dylan. Uh, Like I said earlier in response to Matthew's email, the superpower giver Ray was never referenced again, or at least as far as I'm aware. Uh, If I somehow find out that it did show up in another comic, I will definitely make mention of that on a future episode. And Batman's powers that he was given through the ray only lasted a day so they wore off at the end of the story Uh, I might not have explicitly said that in the episode or in the synopsis and if I didn't then then that's my fault but either way he was just plain old Batman again by the end of the story Uh, and Dylan you don't have to thank me for reading your emails I appreciate everyone who takes the time to write in and thank you for taking the time Uh, Dylan also had some comments about episode 26, which was the caveman from Krypton, and he wrote, Dear Michael, thanks again for reading all these emails. I will hopefully be sending more out soon, because I have some catching up to do. This email should not be as long as the others, because I have barely any thoughts on the matter. Overall, it was a very good podcast. One question that rose to my mind was that aren't all Kryptonians more advanced than us? And therefore, wouldn't this caveman be smarter than at least the other humans. Unless he was some <laughs> unless he was some school dropout turned bum that barely has any knowledge, it makes no sense. Or in, if Krypton's history was somewhat like Earth's, did I just answer my own question? Also, how could Superman recall what Krypton looked like? Did he have his super recall then? Was it was an image of Krypton in his father's memory tape that he gave to his son? And finally you're right, I was it was totally a downer ending. Sincerely, with more 80s references on the way, Dylan. And wow, that those are some tricky questions there. Um, I'm going to tackle the back half of it first, because really that's going to be more of an I don't know, I think, at this point. Um, as In regards to how Superman remembered what Krypton looked like, or if they had introduced the Super Recall then, I would have to do some research on that, to be honest, to find out exactly when that power was introduced and um, how much of Krypton had specifically been laid out at that point. But I'm pretty sure that by 1959 that they had introduced um, the Super Recall power and I know that Krypton was being fleshed out more and more by that point um, to the point where he would know kind of more about the civilization and the culture and stuff. Um, But as for the other question about the uh, the caveman being, you know, smarter than us, for that we're going to have to go all the way back to the original tellings by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster in 1938-1939. In those, Krypton was populated by what they referred to as a race of supermen, where everyone on the planet Krypton had powers like we are, you know, now accustomed to Superman having, uh, even on Krypton, before it exploded. The idea that the gravitational differences between Earth and Krypton were involved in Superman's abilities was first given a passing reference in very late 1939. 
but by at least 1948, they had begun to refer to only that as the reason for Superman's powers, even if they were still referring to Kryptonians as being, quote, evolved to the ultimate peak of human perfection, unquote. Now, at some point, and I don't know precisely when, but it was there by at least the early 1960s, but they introduced the idea that Earth's yellow sun, in addition to the gravitational differences, accounted for Superman's powers. Uh, Krypton was still an evolved race, but more on um, social and philosophical and theological levels rather than mental and physical. So when The Caveman from Krypton came out in 1959, the idea of all Kryptonians being super was no longer applicable across the board. And since the the caveman was from tens of thousands of years before Jor-El's time, to me it makes sense that his mental capacities would be less than Superman's or Batman's, much like an Earthman from you know tens of thousands of years ago would be different from us. Now, one thing that would have been interesting to explore, and clearly in 1959 they just didn't have the room or the inclination to do it, but the caveman exhibited all the same powers as Superman. We saw him use flight and strength and heat vision and so on, which it's interesting given any physical evolution that you know would have occurred in the millennia between the caveman's time period and Jor-El's time period, or, or the time period when Kal-El was born. Uh, but again, I, I, I won't hold something like that against the story, because doing so would be asking for something that they had you know, no intention or, or inclination to ever deliver. Hope that helps, though, Dylan. Uh, sorry I couldn't be more precise on the super recall power. Uh, if I get opportunity, I will try to look that up and get you some more information on that. But in the meantime, thanks again for the email. Uh, next up is another uh, email from Chris Franklin. This one in regards to episode 35, where J. David Weeder and I looked at the wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff team-up of Superboy and Batman from The Brave and the Bold, number 192. And Chris writes, Michael and Dave, this Brave and the Bold was always a favorite of mine. Barr was doing some interesting things with the title at the time, post-zany, sorry, post-haney zaniness. My young mind was blown at the thought of seeing Superboy and Batman together. I had an odd relationship with Superboy. I bought his comics, but the concept of Superman as a young costume crime fighter rankled my feathers a bit, flying in the face of my beloved Superman the movie. Plus, even as a kid, I noticed Superboy was the most mature child who had ever lived and was often and was most often portrayed exactly like his adult counterpart. If Superboy had been written as Barr writes him here, as a proto-Superman in training, I'd have seen much more in the concept. Batman does seem like a bit of a hard case at times, but Barr was one of the best at facilitating between the old chum, West-like Batman, and O'Neill and Adams' Grim Avenger version and making it work. The scene with the shadowed Superman in his boyhood room, his long-dead parents approaching, is haunting. I can still see that scene in my head. It touched a nerve with me as a kid, and it obviously made an impact on me. Despite the panels of Superman sobbing over the Kent's grave, his loneliness never hit home quite like this. 
What can you say about Aparo? One of the greats. Great to hear Dave stop by. Thanks for the fun show. Chris. And thank you, Chris. I was very happy to have Dave on the show as well. Uh, he has been spending more podcasting time in the Marvel Universe these days, so it's always good to hear him talking about Superman again. As for Superboy, you know, I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the show or if I mentioned it in that episode, but I kind of have an odd relationship with Superboy as well. I love stories with Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, uh, but Superboy solo stories, I've had a harder time getting into. Uh, it's Superman-related, and I enjoy it on that level, but I I don't know. They've just never grabbed me in the same way that Superman stories did. Um, and it might have something to do with uh, kind of the same as you. You know, uh, I, I came into the character of Superman first and foremost with... Super Friends and the uh, Superman the movie where there was no costume Superboy fighting crime. So maybe in the back of my brain that's still, uh, to put it in your words, rankling my feathers a little bit. But I still enjoy the character and I, I see him as a uh, important part of the mythology. And, you know, like I said, I, I, I do digs me some Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, next up is another email from Dylan returning to talk about the first issue of the Batman and Superman World's Finest series. Um, actually, he wrote two emails about the first two, about the first and second issues, so I'm just going to read these together. Uh, the first says, Dear Michael, thank you for another awesome podcast. I really enjoyed this one. Not only was there a good story, but there was, an even, there was even more incredible nerdiness. I mean, quite a bit. As little as I read modern-day comics... If you listen in almost all of my emails, I mention continuity somewhere. So I feel you, Michael. I am, so I feel you, Michael. I am a big continuity nerd too. This comic was pretty straightforward, but I do have some questions and comments. Although I do like the story being in New York, that setting is being overused today. So personally, I wouldn't mind it being in Gotham or Metropolis. Although Luthor and the man who died knew. New Superman slash Clark, respectively, Wayne Corpse was funding it, and it wasn't being opened in Gotham. Or was it New York? So it seemed like it should have taken place in Gotham, in New York, or Metropolis, depending on where it was being built. And that's it. I've got nothing else. Sincerely, with more totally tubular 80s references on the way, Dylan. And Dylan's second email reads, Dear Michael, thank you for another great podcast. Aside from the Tale of Two Cities weird title parody, this was an interesting issue. It may not be my favorite issue, but you did a good synopsis of it. Now for some questions and comments. Number one, although they did give some basic information about each city, I feel that they didn't go too in-depth with them. Do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing? And number two, which hero did you think fared better in each other's cities? But that's all I got. I have no big questions or comments, so until next time... Sincerely, with more 80s references and exceeding emails on the way, Dylan. And yeah, with 22 pages, they were kind of limited with how depth, how in-depth the creative teams could go, you know, in exploring each city. But I thought they did a pretty good job of giving each, each city its own feel and tone within the confines of what they had to work with. Uh, as for who did better... Well, it turns out that neither fared well, uh, being completely out of their element, which 
to be honest, it's part of the fun of it. Each hero is uniquely suited to the environment around them. And when you take them out of that, you're not dealing with a different character, but it is a very different setup. And really, that's what the whole series explores. Um, Not just what makes Superman and Batman each Superman and Batman, but also the things that, you know, unite and separates them and how that leads to their bond and and partnership and ultimately the friendship that they share. Uh, Next up is an email... And I think this might be the first time he's written into this particular show. But we're going to go ahead and call him a friend of the show because I know he's been a longtime listener and has plugged the show on his uh, many, many podcasts. But this one comes from the one and only Michael Bailey. And he writes, Michael, just wanted to drop you a line to say how much I enjoyed the latest batch of episodes. Well, I've enjoyed them all, but over the past few days I have managed to catch up on the show and thought I would comment on the last four I listened to. I barely have any memory of the World's Finest series from 1999. I remember it coming out, I remember that I bought it and read it because I was grabbing everything Superman related, but the specifics have apparently been deleted from my hard drive. Listening to you talk about the series has brought some of it back. Eventually Jeff and I will get to that series, but for the moment I will listen to you talk about it and hopefully that will jog a memory or two. And I want to put this on pause and express just a little bit of concern for Michael Bailey. Are you feeling alright, buddy? Because it's hard to believe that you forgot anything about the post-crisis era, let alone an entire series. Uh, And at this point, I would make a a crack about Mike's age, but we're about the same age, so we're just going to move swiftly on with the rest of Mike's email. More than anything, I appreciated your comments regarding Superman and Batman being friends and people not being afraid of Superman. I have nothing to add to your comments beyond I agree with you completely, and it was nice to know I wasn't the only one that felt that way. And thanks, Mike. Uh, Though now I'm a little sad because uh, reading a phrase like Superman and Batman being friends and people not being afraid of Superman seems like very much the opposite of what we were uh, presented with in the most recent Batman v Superman trailer. And that's not a dig. If you're looking forward to the movie, just an observation, and we're going to move on. Uh, Mike's email continues. The Brave and Bold issue you and J. David Weider talked about sounded glorious. In a nice bit of happenstance, I was listening to that episode on the way to a one-day comic show that happens every three months or so, and I found that issue for a really good price. So now I own it, and I probably wouldn't have bought it it if it if not for the two of you. So thanks for that. Well, that's it for now. Keep up the amazing work, and I look forward to the next episode. Regards, Michael Bailey. And thank you very much, Mike. Uh, I I think I said in the episode, but I would not heard of that issue either until I stumbled across it on eBay while looking for another issue. Uh, An an issue uh, suggested to me by a a listener of this very podcast, in fact. Uh, But while the Brave and the Bold issue is not without its problems... You know, it was a fun read, and I'm glad I picked it up, and and that it inspired you to get it because we're all about fun comics here. Uh, hopefully, it didn't set you back too much. Superman and Batman: Killing Your Wallet, one episode at a time. Uh, Michael Bailey is host or co-host of a number of podcasts, including From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, Bailey's Batman podcast, Tales of the Justice Society of America. 
views from the long box and oh radio kal live and you can find more about all of those over at mike's blog which is fortressofbailytude.com just a few more emails to go and the last one about a specific episode comes from dave McElveney, and it is in regards to episode 32 which was the conway crossover episode where Aaron Moss and I looked at World's Finest Comics number 269. Now, for those of you who are new to the show, the Conway Crossover was an event where more than a dozen podcasts and blogs came together as a show of support for and a celebration of legendary writer Jerry Conway, who has written virtually every major character for both DC and Marvel over his long career. But in reply to the episode, Dave wrote, Good episode. I'm glad that you and your podcasting comrades have come have been inspired by Jerry Conway and the idea of fairness in credit and compensation for creators. Certainly that qualifies as truth, justice, and the American way. I know I was reading a lot of comics back in 1981, but I don't remember this particular issue, so I must have missed it. The synopses were certainly good enough for me to form a mental image of the stories you covered, and the commentary by you and Mr. Moss was wonderful. I agree with Mr. Moss's comments that the character of Red Tornado is presented here in the way he was normally portrayed in comics at the time. He was one of my favorite, newer characters in those days. I don't know what your plans are for the schedule of the podcast in the future. I know you're busy with, with the Parallel Lines podcast, which I also very much enjoy, but if you find yourself able to get back to Superman and Batman on whatever schedule works for you, I will be very happy. These two guys are the best, and they deserve to be celebrated. Live long and prosper, Dave McElveney. And I agree, Dave, and I thank you very much for being patient. If you heard the top of the episode, and, and if you didn't hear the top of the episode, I don't know how you got to this part of the episode, but if you heard that, then you know what I've got planned for the future, and I hope you'll be on board. Speaking of parallel lines, next up is an email from Gene Hendricks, who has been a frequent writer to that show. And Gene writes, Michael, I just finished up going through the back catalog of Superman and Batman, and I have to say I found the show really fun and informative. I'm what you would call a, quote, post-crisis kid, unquote, much like yourself. But I've never really gone back to, to find these old stories. Oh, I've read the greatest fill-in-the-blank stories ever told collections, but that's pretty much it. I know how time-consuming podcasting can be, but I hope you're able to come back to this at some point, since I enjoyed it a great deal. Gene. Well, Gene, you got your wish, because we're back. Thanks for the email, though, and I'm glad I can broaden your knowledge a little bit about the history of not just Superman and Batman as characters, but their uh, relationship and partnership uh, over the, the span of their, you know, creative lives. Gene is host of a myriad of podcasts, including The Hammer Strikes, Anime Freaks, The Quantum Cast, and Comic Book Fight Club, all of which can be found on the Two True Freaks Network. And I really hope one day I find out what kind of witchcraft Michael and Gene employ to produce so many podcasts on a regular basis, in addition to balancing work and family, because, man, I I don't know how y'all do it. Now I've got one more email to read, which comes from Patrick Kokorin, co-host of Make Dad Read Comics, which is a thoroughly entertaining show. The premise of Make Dad Read Comics is that every week Patrick sits down with his dad, who 
before they started the show a couple years ago was, to put it gently, not in any way a comic book fan. And Patrick has slowly been introducing him to various books and genres and educating him about the medium. And Dad is coming around to have at least an appreciation of comic books, even though he might not be starting a pull list anytime soon. But it's a really, really great show. Uh, Patrick and his dad have a ton of affection for one another, and they really provide a great multi-generational perspective on the books. And not just multi-generational, but from one person who has been a longtime reader and the other who is a brand new reader. Uh, Patrick was nice enough to have me on a couple months back where we talked about Superman's origin and the evolution it's gone through in the past uh, 75 years. So I hope you'll check that out as well as the entire back catalog of Make Dad Read Comics because it comes highly recommended from me. Now, this email I'm about to read, as I said, comes from Patrick, and it's actually part of a longer email, but I'm just going to read part of it because it wasn't all, you know, necessarily related to this show. And I received this back in February, which is a while before some of the other emails I've read, but I saved this email uh, until last because of the sentiment in it. I, I was really flattered by it and wanted to make sure that I highlighted it. Uh, but Patrick wrote, I found your show after you were on the Superman Man of Steel roundtable back in 2013. I liked your take on things and checked out Thrilling Adventures. Man, hats off to you, sir. First, for along with Mr. Bailey, and that's the aforementioned Michael Bailey, over his cast, but you especially on Superman and Batman for helping me get into Superman as a character. And I'm going to tell you what, Patrick, that is among the highest, if not the highest, compliment a podcaster, well, me anyway, can receive about his podcasts. Every podcast I've done has been about sharing the joy of whatever the topic is, be it Superman and Batman, or Superman by himself, or Batman by himself, or Tangent Comics, or Green Lantern. And look, I'm not a professional at any of this. I'm just here to have fun and hopefully educate folks along the way. And there are better podcasts out there in virtually every respect, but knowing that my ramblings are not only entertainment for folks, but have helped drum up interest in others for the subject matter, especially Superman, who, as I've said before, is my number one comics love. I mean, no slight to Batman, but I wear that on my sleeve. But knowing that it's raised your interest, or at least awareness and appreciation of the character, means a whole lot. So thank you very, very much, Patrick. I really do appreciate you saying that. So that's it for the emails and website comments. Uh, we do have a few iTunes reviews, so we're going to shift over there. And it looks like we have four new reviews since the last mailbag, uh, which is pretty impressive considering the show took an eight-month hiatus. But all of them are five stars, so that's especially awesome. The first comes from Whispering Loon, and it reads, World's Finest, World's Finest Podcast. The knowledgeable host and a focused topic make for an interesting listen. The podcast focuses on the adventures of Batman and Superman, especially in the pages of World's Finest, and it is fun to hear about their adventures as it spans the ages of comic book history. The host, bring, the host also brings his knowledge about the characters' histories and other interesting bits of information from the time these comics came out to give a well-rounded exploration of the comics. His love of the characters makes this podcast fun to listen to, and not just a bunch of facts. Great show. Thanks, Michael. And that was a really great review, so thank you very much, Whispering Loon. Next up is one from Mix Master Mitch. 
Wow, just listening in on this, and I was not expecting what I got. I actually never thought much of the Silver Age. However, listening to some of the comics, I was laughing at some of the situations. I loved the story in episode 14, and I almost choked at the story. Your tone and delivery are amazing, and I'm thankful that you have fun with it. The Bizarro chapter was a highlight. I'm still working on the backlog, but between the crazy stories themselves and Michael's delivery, there is never a dull moment. I do think if there is one thing I can complain about is the endings have a habit of dragging on a bit, but that's a complaint I had to dig for, if anything. I will keep listening and can't wait for more. And thank you very much, Mitch. If you have to dig for complaints, then I guess I'm doing okay. But still, I will try to work on wrapping things up a little quicker in uh, the regular episodes that we have from uh, week to week or month to month as it is now. Next is one from Gary, who, much like myself, used to co-host his own podcast focused on Batman, which, uh, much like Legends of the Batman, has sadly come to a close. But Gary still listens to podcasts, including this one, hi Gary, and had this to say, Awesome show. If you're looking for a Superman-Batman team-up podcast, then look no farther. Michael has produced a wonderful show, which isn't surprising to anyone who listened to any of his other podcasts. This podcast truly is a production, and Michael deserves all the credit. Great show, Michael, and good luck on the 5K. By the way, I would have sworn I already made a review, but I guess not. Sorry for the delay. The show is great. Long live Legends of the Batman. Rest in peace. And then there's a sad face emoticon. So thank you very much, Gary. I'm glad you liked the show. I really miss doing Legends of the Batman too. Uh, unfortunately, you know, things just work out that way sometimes. But thankfully, I still get to talk about the totally awesome Batman right here each and every episode. Um, I've thought a time or two about how to get more Golden Age into the show because I really do love that era for both characters. But aside from the radio, there's just not much to talk about, unfortunately. Uh, thankfully, there's like 60 years of almost non-stop team-ups that I can talk about, so we'll stick with that. But thanks again, Gary. And the last one comes from Gene Hendricks again, who we heard from earlier in the episode. And Gene writes, Fans of Superman and Batman will love this show. You get the good, the bad, and the downright goofy stories from the world's finest team throughout their history. While I'm a fan of the post-crisis, they work towards a friendship version. Hearing about these stories where Superman and Batman are the best of friends is just great. Awesome, Gene. I, I really like hearing that people enjoy the show, even when I cover stuff that's outside of their favorite era, so to speak. So, thanks for the reviews, folks. Um, that makes 13 reviews so far, which, uh, as of this recording anyway, and, and 16 total ratings, all but one of which have been five stars. So I'm very appreciative of everyone's kind words and, and ratings because I really believe that kind of thing really does help the show grow and, and kind of raise its profile on iTunes and, and, and giving gives, you know... Uh, prospective listeners incentive to become actual listeners so I know I've been going on for a while uh, about an hour and a half at this point a little more but I'm going to take one more break plug in again something (laughs) I do these on the fly so I never know what I'll plug in but I'm sure it'll be something but either way I'll be back on the flip side for this episode's Haney Award and to close out the show Now with Batman, the 
stop him from bringing it to you. It's here. A smashing taste. A honey nut pale part of your complete breakfast. Batman cereal. As you have just heard throughout the course of this podcast, I have received a lot of excellent feedback. As a way of thanking people for writing in, I have instituted something called the Haney Award, named after the one and only Bob Haney, author of the most Superman-Batman team-ups in World's Finest Comics, and let's face it, anywhere else to be honest, the Haney Award is given to the listener who goes above and beyond in their efforts towards feedback for the show. Someone who raises the bar as a listener, or whose efforts and actions are truly inspired or in some way worthy of extra recognition. Now, there is no actual physical prize in connection with the Haney. However, you do get the satisfaction of knowing you won, in addition to the right to lord your title as winner of the Haney Award over all your friends and family until the end of time forevermore. Or longer if you feel like it. So, the winner of the third annual Haney Award is... You. That's right, you, the listener. Because of the long absence in the show, I am giving honorary Haney Awards to everyone this time out as a show of appreciation. When a show is gone for essentially eight months, it's quite possible that show will return with no listeners whatsoever. But you were all awesome enough to come back, so consider yourself an honorary winner of the oh-so-prestigious Haney Award. As always, don't let it go to your head. But that's it for this time. This has been a long one, folks, but I thank you for sticking with me. That clears out the mailbag, save for anything that has come in since uh, I announced the show was returning at the end of July. Uh, so, you know, that sets us up really great for next time. And speaking of next time, just because we're closing the mailbag for now, that doesn't mean you should stop writing in. In fact, I want to encourage you to do just the opposite. The contact info is in the end tag, so send me your emails, leave comments at the website, and join the conversation. You can also spread the love on the social medias, and if you do, be sure to use the hashtag PoundSuperBatPodcast, because it helps spread the love and promote the show at the same time. But that's it for now. Thank you to everyone who wrote in, and thanks for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. Goodbye. listening to Superman and Batman, hosted by me, Michael Bradley. Feedback can be sent to michael at greatcrypton.com. I love hearing from listeners, so be sure to send your comments, questions, and other feedback, and I will likely read that on a future episode. Show notes, information, and back episodes can be found at greatcrypton.com. Be sure to follow the show via Facebook and Twitter, and subscribe via iTunes or RSS feed so that you never miss an episode. If you subscribe via iTunes, be sure to leave a review. Not only does it help others find the show, but I'd love to read that in a future episode as well. Superman and Batman is a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network, 
home to many great Superman-related podcasts. Be sure to pay them a visit at supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Batman was created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, and both characters are copyright DC Comics. I want to thank you again very much for listening and invite you to come back next time for another episode of Superman and Batman, featuring your two favorite heroes in one podcast together. episode was Please Mr. Postman by Natalie Castro. Unfortunately, as an up-and-coming artist, Natalie Castro has no music available for purchase. However, you can follow her on Facebook and YouTube to get news about her upcoming releases. And in the meantime, if you do want to buy music or anything else online, why not head on over to twotruefreaks.com and click on the Amazon.com banner. Anything you buy in a session after clicking that link will send a little commission back to the guys at Two True Freaks. It won't cost you anything extra, but does help support one great group of podcasters. Goodbye.